Normally at this time of year, we're preparing for a new season with the FFA Cup, but we've still got some unfinished business from last season, so let's get back to Season 4 of the Brisbane Football Review. Skype screen or something. Adam, how are you? I'm good, James. How are you? Good, Adam. James, it's good to see you in person as opposed to the pixelated version we've seen of you in recent months. Yes, it's good to be back actually doing this podcast for real. We should probably lead off right right away with saying, you know, thanks for everyone that showed a bit of patience and listened to our best of moments. We were really, you know, draining the blood from the stone there, weren't we? (laughs) How did you find so many episodes worth of best of moments? They were mostly just centred around me, so it wasn't that hard. Yes, the narcissism is back in full force, folks. This is the Brisbane Football Review. Uh, we are here for ourselves, I'm pretty sure, anyway, <laughs> and whoever else actually is still interested in the A-League at the moment, and NPL, but more on that in the coming weeks. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, Facebook, The Raw Review. Uh, we're still working on changing that. Facebook has some other stuff going on, which I feel like might be a bit more important in their yes. offices. Uh, Twitter, at BNE Football, which is where you can find updates, live coverage of all the matches and whatnot as well. And email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and a couple of other good podcast apps, as well as Football Nation Radio. I think we'll be very pleased to ha- have a show back on there as well, and very pleased for, the- for playing us. Absolutely, and hopefully they're safe down there in Melbourne as well. Mm. Yeah, like I said, they uh, there'd be a, a few more FNR at home editions uh, for them, unfortunately, but. Uh... But yeah, like I said, we'd be glad to give them content while they're all locked down. We wish them all well. Yes, definitely. All right, so that's how you can get in contact with us. That's how you can listen to us. And then let's get back into the show because, well, I'm just having to reject a phone call from my wife because it's been that long since we've recorded in person. She's forgotten what... You are throwing her under the bus. She's going to love it when she listens to this. She doesn't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... So, we're going to break the show up into a few different segments. We're going to lead off with what have we missed, then we're going to take a quick break and go for where were we, trying to remember what things were like before the A-League went into high What's the A-League? Yes, well, that's a good start. Uh, And then finally, segment four, what's going to happen next? So we're going to offer a little bit of a look for... Segment three, I beg your pardon. Uh, What's going to happen next with a bit of a look forward into what's going on over the next month and a bit with the A-League as they try and race to the finish line for the 2019-2020 season, which is probably going to be the longest domestic season in all of <laughs> Australian football. I'm sure Andy Howe will correct us on that, because I'm sure he's oh, a lawyer. I reckon, that, I reckon that Copper Out final series uh, <laughs> back in the day, I think that they extended the season by now six months, so that was it little, felt like it. A little bit before my time. But anyway. be a lot of records being broken along that sort of line, though. <laughs> longest season in all different places. Yeah, probably, anyway. So... As we are recording, the A-League season is set to resume Friday, July 17th, with Sydney hosting Wellington at Jubilee Stadium. It was meant to be victory against Rudan FC down at Amy Park, but there were some issues down in Victoria, which we won't get into too much detail about, because, yeah, I I don't think there's a whole lot of jokes that won't get us uh, a whole lot of angry emails from Victorian listeners. <laughs> Given our relationship with FNR down in Melbourne, we should really keep those jokes to an absolute minimum. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so the first question I had is, are we glad that we're finally getting a resolution to the season? Scott, we're going to lead off with you. It's been a while, hasn't it? 
it's really it's it's almost like a new season within a season because it's been so long since the A League season shut down. There's absolutely no momentum to be gained. It's a four or five game sprint depending on how many games you've got left for a certain teams, and then a knockout final system. It's really just a, a short cup. You think I think is it MLS is doing a a cup at the moment now as a resumption to their football over there in the states. It's almost very similar, really. Just a and it's just a, it's a it's a extended cup, really, is what it is. Look, it's going to be um, it's going to be fairly interesting. You know, I my my personal views is that you know, this just the amount of time has been since the season sort of was paused. I just think it's just it's point of you know it's almost like you know why bother? But look, at the end of the day, we we've got a um, we've we've got a resumption and we've got a clear path to the end. So you know, like so, let's enjoy it for what for what it is. Personally, I'm I'm glad that. Like, since they said from the outset that they were going to complete the season, I'm glad they finally found a way to do it. And I'm glad that they also didn't rush into it trying to do anything, I suppose, rash or... I can't even think of the right word there. Anyway, I'm a little bit rusty. Bear with me. <laughs> yeah, they were very conservative in what the process they took, wasn't it? But it is, it is good they are finishing, particularly for the players who put so much effort in, starting almost probably 13 months ago now, because it was probably June when they started preparing for all this season. It's good for those players to be able to finish what they started because you, you do want to have a finish point you can't just finish it on a, a on, choose, a random, a, on a yeah. random Monday night game which was a rescheduled one anyway the Jets it, Jets v Melbourne City yeah. it wasn't a wasn't a great way to finish the season if it did end that way and thankfully it's not we're going to have a a bit of a cup style competition to finish and it'll be, it should be exciting hopefully and I suppose the other thing for me as well is I get, you know, the calls to cancel the season. You know, they were that far into it. Look, we all know Sydney was the best team over the course of the season. And if they had been crowned champions because of their efforts over the course of the season that was played, I, I know we would have pro- probably made a few snarky remarks, but couldn't have really argued with that ending. But since they said that they were going to play, I feel like, like there would have been a lot more, I suppose, criticism of the A-League saying, sorry, this is too hard a month ago we've got to cancel, when you've got the AFL, you've got the NRL, you've got Super Rugby all back up and running, and you've got the A-League saying, sorry, it's too hard. So I am glad that they're at least putting their best foot forward to try and finish the season, or putting a foot forward to try and finish the season. And, you know, yeah, look, it's not ideal, but at with things the way they are at the moment, it's just it's good to see it getting done, for better or worse. It should have been done before now. Though. You talk about some of the other codes. They started in May, June... If the A-League started around that time, the gap would have been much shorter from when the um, shutdown to when it would have restarted, and we'd be finished by now. No, no, and we could have had a, a, a normal a normal A-League schedule for 2020-21 instead of a much later start date, which we'll have. So it probably should have been done before now, but it's it's being done now, and hopefully it's a, a good conclusion to the season. And that's probably the source of my malaise as far as, you know, about, about this, um, my feelings towards this season being completed is that the fact is is that the NRL have had basically a five six week jump start. AFL about that, you know, Super Rugby now, and you may, may just ask the question: Well, what was so different about the A League, especially with you know, you know, eighty percent of the season completed? You know, to be able to sort of get back in, I know, I know, I know like so that's more of a rhetorical question because you had you had issues as far as player contracts, uh, broadcasting, and whatnot. But it's almost like, well, how did they? How does other governing bodies get their act together so quickly? Yet the FFA seemed to be, I think, a little slip of the wheel. I think it's probably the nicest way of putting it. See, my counter to that is, I feel like this is also where football suffers for two reasons. One, you really got to see its place in the pecking order of Australian mm. football codes, where the broadcaster Fox, which we'll get onto in a couple of minutes. They were, you know, a big source of the delay as well, trying to stiff-arm the FFA and the A-League in terms of the revised broadcast deal because of their money issues. And also, the fact of the matter is, football is a global game. The AFL and the NRL, they don't have to answer to any sort of global governing bodies. Super Rugby was given a fairly, like, broad spectrum to try and sort things out. And the fact of the matter is... Football, like, I think there was a little bit left up to, all right, let's just see what guidance we get from FIFA. What guidance are we going to get from the AFC? And you're right, there was a little bit of just, let's just let this play out, which I don't think any of us really wanted in terms... You would probably would have preferred a lot more assertive approach, but I do think that it can't just be simplified down to, yeah, well, they should have just... But uh, the whole yeah. the taken... whole world game argument, but the, the Bundesliga started, you know... 
a month ago. Like even even the like so the, the Premier League, yeah, the Premier League, even the, even the K League. So it couldn't be obviously the advice that um, the DFB in Germany and and even you know the FA and and whatnot in in England and even you know the uh, KFA in you know in Korea. The advice they would have gotten, it's just, it's a case of, it has to be a local, a local thing, you know, just to, yeah, it, yeah, it is frustrating to see these other sports sort of really sort of, you know, especially the NRL in the first couple of weeks, and they were the only game in town. Like they, they basically, they made strides on everyone else, and I just think, yeah, that from a, I guess from a, a, a general sports fan, like, look, we're, we're, we're all football fans, and we're going to, no matter when they will play, we will flock to it. But I think it may be just for the end of this season, it may be just the hardcore fans because I think the, the general casual football fan, probably they'd be sports fan, I just don't think they would care because there's so much more on and there's so much more invested. Like, you know, to be fair, like the NRL, you know, as a spectacle, has been great since the return. So we've got to fight against those sort of things. I completely agree with everything you've both said, but the thing is, the game in this country is too slow to react to anything. We've been so slow to deal with all these issues coming down the pike. And the one, the example I'll give is the one with the most recent one with the teams down in Melbourne. The NRL realised a week earlier, they sniffed out there could be a problem here with down in Melbourne, so they took the storm out, moved them to Brisbane, then to the Sunshine Coast. The AFL saw at the end of that week, all right, there's a real problem here, we're taking teams out. What did the A-League do? Were they just hoping that the even, situation even was going to play, play, out, play out the way they were hoping so, that the, two, the Melbourne teams could play their games down there and then go to Sydney? But it's hoping it would work out, or was there no strategy thinking, oh, gee, we should probably get teams on a plane here? Even the so-called Much earlier than they ended up doing it. They, they were able to get the Melbourne Rebels yeah. out. So, like, it's, it's ridiculous. Just, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And that's the one thing that, you know, I just mm. could not believe. And I think that's, I think the general consensus is, what was Gregor Rourke and the FFA doing? Yeah. Like, it's so, just an example. Yeah. Of it. It's not the only thing yeah. that they've been slow. It's just, it's endemic of what happens if the FFA is so slow yeah. reacting to issues. It's, it's the same same stuff. We think back to 20... 15, 2016 with the A-League the active supporter stuff. They were so slow coming out and dealing with that issue. They've just been slow for a long time in dealing with issues. And that's just, that's something they've got to get right as well. They've got to get quicker to deal with these things. And that is something that I suppose more so the FFA than the A-League, there is at least cause for optimism that maybe there might be the right person in charge now with James Johnson, the CEO, mm-hmm. who it seems like wasn't trying to get too involved in A-League matters, saying... You know, the clubs wanted their independence. You know, you deal with it. But then, when it but then when it came to the broadcast deal, he was the one that stepped up and said, all right, guys, you know, I'm doing this for the sake of the game. And then when it came to eventually getting the exemptions for uh, the Melbourne or Victorian sides to travel up to New South Wales for the resumption of the competition, he was the one that allegedly stepped in. I think I've seen a couple of reports yeah. on that on SBS and other outlets. So maybe it is just a case of, you know getting the right people back in charge now and maybe getting a few guys who James Johnson knows and trusts to say, hey, we're going to run this here. But I think it's also as well, again, we, we, we keep on saying FFA, FFA. But you've got to remember, the A-League is supposed to be half-owned by the AFPFCA, or the, the, the A-League clubs. It, like I said, they seemed, it's almost like they, it, as a lot of people said, what was what was the civil war for in in the beginning? If at the end day the first time of trouble, it's like oh hey FFA can you please help us? Now like I said we're, we're and a lot of people have been critical of Gregor Rourke on this and probably justifiably so. He's not the only one. Yeah, who's but involved he, in absolutely. That. Like I said, where where where's been? Uh, I think it's Paul Lederer is the, the the chief of the um the professional club association. But where was he in all this? You know, like, that's the thing is, it's, it's always easy to say, oh, it's always the FFA's fault. The FFA is slow, and look, we're guilty of saying that. But I also say that, you know what, there's a lot of blame to go around in the governance of this sport across many lobby groups. And it's like I said, in the end, it is just embarrassing. It, it seriously, when you look and can contrast to the other football codes at the moment, like, football in Australia at the moment is an absolute joke as far as our governance, and it's just been plain to all to see, and we're a laughing stock. Well, to be fair, the reason why we say the FFA and the A-League are interchangeable when it comes mm. to you know, handing out blame for certain issues that they've had is because it has been largely an autocratic yep. uh, regime yeah. running the A-League for the last 15 years. But anyway, that's just my little... It might be a case of where you know, autocracy actually probably works over democracy because under democracy, nothing seems to happen. We just go round and round circles. So <laughs> make yeah. that what you will. Yeah, definitely. All right, so now I want to get on to... Well, what I think is the big 
developing story on the resumption of the A-League over the last month or so, and that's just purely because it's the one I'm most interested in. Foxhall agrees to show the rest of the season and the 2020-2021 competition. So the short, that was obviously the big issue last time we spoke in terms of organising the resumption of the A-League was making sure that they have a broadcaster because I, I think it's fair to say like we, we were this close to having someone in the active support area streaming it from their phone. <laughs> well, I think the last time we spoke, the big issue was around Brisbane's coach not returning. I think that was the big issue. But oh, yeah, the time before that, it was certainly about the <laughs> broadcasting. Podcast. And I do it, it, the deal that they've come up with has given some certainty to the issue for for the game. that would, We have a television deal for the next 18 months, basically. And then after that, who knows what's going to happen. Maybe there's a TV, TV deal to be done still. Maybe they go down a um, path where they, they produce their own content and on-sell that to a broadcaster. Who knows? But it does give certainty. And I think at the moment, given the way of the world, I think some certainty is absolutely important. And look, it may not necessarily be the most popular thing, given there's a perception out there that Foxtel haven't really done right by the game recently. But look, they're going to be broadcasting all the games for the next 18 months. And hopefully hopefully things pick up on that. Because I think it's fair to say the ratings have been have been in decline. Yeah. on there for a little while. And I think that does come down to, once again, a few... At least that's there. on their main platform. We don't know about their streaming. Yeah, exactly. And I do feel like there's probably quite a few subscribers that have ditched yep. Foxtel for KO. And I'm fairly certain there would be some that might not realise that KO is owned by Foxtel. But anyway, <laughs> that aside, um, $32 million a year for broadcasting next season. I feel like that's a huge win for the FFA given there were initially reporting that uh, Foxtel offered $11 million a year. And you know, so if the fact they were able to get that much out of Fox, that's got to be a big win for them. Yeah, and I think that that was one of the victories that uh, James Johnson sort of had, you know, in the renegotiations. That it wasn't a case of I think it was almost an insulting sort of you know offer to begin with. So to get to get thirty two million, it might at least preserve at least the basic tenets of the league for the next eighteen months. It should it should probably ensure that you know the salary cap stays within what it is. It may. Maybe a bit of strain getting to marquees and whatnot, but as far as the basic, I think at least having that as I think the word is stability for the next 18 months. But I think you've got to hope as well that you know, the powers that be, be it the FFA, be it the clubs, they're they're looking beyond just you know 2021. That you know because yeah, I I think the way it's going, not 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 just there, I think more from a financial point of view for Foxtel, I think as well. I I just I cannot see. Um, I can see uh, football being on Fox beyond that, unless, unless something you know mightily changes. It's just negotiation tactics. So really, you don't you don't make your best offer first. You start off with an offer that's lower than what you'd like, and then you move up. And I was assuming the the FFA or whoever negotiated the deal started off really high and moved down. So you eventually find that middle ground. That's just the way it works. But it is interesting. I think what needs to happen is the FFA or the A League, whichever way you want to put it, needs to get control of their own content. You look at what some of the other sports the last couple of years have done. The NBL have done a really good job of putting their content together. They they do all the broadcasting themselves and they on-sell that to SBS and, and ESPN, I think, at the moment, who show the game. I, think, I don't really care about it. I don't think any of us do, but the um, supercars do the same thing. They yeah. have their own supercars media network, which actually puts together all that production work. I think maybe the FFA need to look at that. We've talked about FFA TV or A-League TV before. Maybe that's the path we need to I go down. I, honestly, I think that's where they need to get to. Look, at the end of the day, Rugby League and AFL are always going to be funded by commercial networks. But it's it's incumbent on some of these, uh, look, I'm not going to call them second tier, but for, compared to the AFL, NRL, as far as the interest on the commercial networks, they need to start doing, be more innovative and start doing their own things. And I think the one, the over, over the top, you know, sort of, streaming platform I think that's probably the path they need to go down at least as I say get control of their own content and you're not going to have this situation where you have a broadcaster that can basically um, basically hold the game hostage if, if they're because of their own financial sort of you know their financial ills yeah. what it is yeah it, it was like it's mismanagement obviously you know I've said this quite a few times I don't know if I've actually said it on air but I still feel like Foxtel getting the cricket rights is probably what's doomed their coverage for a lot of other sports oh, as well. Yeah, I absolutely, I think it is, because I think paid way too much. Uh, well, I think also the fact of the matter is, well, not fact, but opinion, is I don't feel like that probably brought them the subscribers that they were thinking of, because a lot of the people that would have subscribed to Foxtel for the cricket hmm. probably already had Foxtel for another sport, whether yeah. it was rugby league, whether it was AFL, whether it was rugby union, whether it's probably it was... probably more about keeping subscribers on a 12-month-a-year thing. I don't know yeah. if that makes much of a difference to them, but that's... That it, it certainly did seem like they reached to get that, and you've seen them surrender a few other rights on the way now. 
Yes, so obviously getting this resumption has come at the cost of the 2020 FFA Cup, which you know, was probably a, one of our favourite things to cover, going to you know Perry Park and Dolphin Stadium and some of those other grounds as well. Uh, which, you know, it sucks, but unfortunately that is the price of doing business. I think, I think yeah, it's just I don't think there's enough time left now. By the time, like I said, obviously the MPL seasons across the country, they need to resume. And look in Victoria, it ain't going to resume until yeah. at least uh, mid, you know, mid-September at the earliest. And I think that might be, and that may be a cancellation. So you can't not have um, the Victorian teams, you know, it, like I said, you can't have them not participate just because they're going to be a month behind everyone else. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in New South Wales in the next couple of weeks. So I think having the FFA Cup and I believe also the national finals for MPL have both been scrapped. I think uh, it's unfortunate, but I think it's a prudent decision, you know, given given the situation at the moment. I don't think the TV deal is what put those two competitions to, to the side. It's the, that's, it's the yeah. pandemic that's put those to one side. That too. There's just no time for them, and it's impossible to travel in state at the moment without a couple of weeks of quarantine. So, yep. how are you going to have a FFA Cup tie with teams in state? You can't do it. That's it. Um, and also, when the uh, FFA Cup does resume next season, it will no longer the round of 32 will not be on Fox. So presumably, that also means that you know they're going to have to find a new broadcast partner for that as well, which you know opens up so many options as well because I could very easily see. Look, Optus Sport is obviously the popular choice considering they've got the rights to, you know, half a dozen other football competitions that we're all very much interested in, some more than the others. Uh, but like, overall, for, I, I just feel like there's a lot to go forward. And, you know, maybe they wind up, you know, broadcasting an FFA Cup game on SBS or something and the rest, and the Round of 32 launches a new FFA TV streaming platform. A lot. Yeah, that's what they probably should do is use the FFA Cup as a testing platform for... Yeah. The media platform they're hopefully, hopefully planning to build. That's what I'll be doing with it. Well, like Use so, the FFA Cup and the content you'll have there to get subscribers in there and test it out and see how it's going to work. Because you, you don't want to move the A-League and the W-League onto that platform and then have it just completely not, not work. Or the National Second yeah. League. You, you, you yeah. want to make sure it's viable and that might be a good way of testing out how, the, the viability of it. Yeah, like I said, they've, they've, they've got you know, almost a year to perfect that. And to, and to get that right, and like I said, you have qualify, you have qualifying extra as well. Like, and you go, and also you have sort of other platforms like MPL TV for Queensland and New South Wales to, to also support the the qualifying rounds as well. So, look, I, I think there's a lot of promise using the FFA Cup as a guinea pig to what the future goes as far as broadcasting. And at the end of the day, like I said, it's like it, there are exciting times, and like innovation is what it's what's called for, even if you know it's just for stuff like the FFA Cup because then if it works on there then there's no reason why it can't work for the, the professional leagues definitely okay so that's the national level that we've uh, just covered now we're going to go a little bit more local because this is after all the Brisbane let's get into review. the good stuff yes that's it well we'll get to the good stuff in a second first of all we should mention as well if, in case you've been living under a rock in this city or whatnot, Robbie Fowler not coming back as coach of the Raw which I think we've all made our opinions on very clear on our emergency podcast recorded two weeks ago today and nothing has changed since then so no that's it uh i you can go back onto our podcast feed and listen to that which was recorded with some very uh fresh opinions and thoughts uh (laughs) the only uh point i will go into uh from that podcast adam who do you think is going to be the next full-time coach of the raw i i reckon i reckon it might be warren moon i was gonna say the same thing it seems like he's the in-house candidate i mean as long as he's happy to um, yeah. give up the academy space, which he's done such a good job in, and move back into full-time coaching, I wouldn't be surprised if it is him. Yeah. Okay. Well, my pick, I've actually got two. Uh, ben Khan from Olympic FC. I think he's going to be... I think he's looking for a job with a professional club, and I think if the Raw are able to get him now, he's got to be... The, like, I think that would be a very prudent pick for them. Like, It might not be for... He might only be there for a year or two, but... Uh, it would at least be... yeah. You're at least getting in early on him. Two years is about the average length for an A-league coach yeah. in tenure anyway. And also, if you don't... And also, that's the other thing. If you don't actually get him now, you might not be able to have another chance yeah. at hiring him. So what was your second? Uh, my long shot, Harry Kuehl. Are you still going along with this Is it? Yeah, is he even in the country? Not a clue, but it's <laughs> more... We've just had one former player from that club. We don't want another one. Which one? Leeds? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Them too. Oh, they're back. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that that's my uh, predict. I I'm still going to go Ben Khan. I feel like he's the 
best local candidate for the job, which has yeah. been... Don't rule out Gray Piddick from Gold Coast Knights either. The Raw seem to have played a couple of friendlies against them in the last 12 months, and he's a tremendously experienced coach at this level, won the MPL twice with two different clubs, had good FFA Cup runs as well, so he might be a, a contender that people aren't giving enough credit to as well. All I say is I hope it's a local. That's, that's, like I said, it, be it Warren Moon, be it Ben Khan, be it Gray Piddick. You know, as long as it's local, I think I think it's what it needs for now, just for the next couple of years at least. Okay, so that's Scott Ban from the Croatian Sports <laughs> Centre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so... Anyway, rest of the uh, Raw stuff. So their first game back, July 19th against Adelaide at the time of recording. That is, of course, all subject mm. to change. Yes. Touch wood. And uh, that's going to be down at Seabus Stadium on the Gold Coast at Rubina. So I think we'll be looking yeah. forward to going down there on Sunday night. Yeah, it should be if, good. If we uh, be good to left. see some live yeah. football for a change. It's been three, four months to see some live football in person. In person, yeah. yeah. All this is, of course, assuming that we'll be allowed in. But I, I fail to see why... They wouldn't be unless I'm going to climb the roof if we can't get in anyway. I'm just going to sit no, on the roof I would and just, watch it. just take the Richard Raw position. Yeah, that. <laughs> no, I'm taking the roof. You get a better vantage point. <laughs> no, anyway. Um, so the interim coaches of the Raw at this point, Darren Davies and the aforementioned Warren Moon. I wonder who is actually going to be the main head coach there as well. They haven't actually really identified which one is the actual coach and who's the assistant. I, assume, I assume they're going to alternate. One yeah. each week is going to be in charge of the tactical stuff. The other one is just going to be there abusing the referee. Okay. Okay, dead silence. That was a very good No, I'm not going to... I'm just trying to think that both of We've seen a lot of both Darren Davies and Warren Moon coach over the years at various levels and I'm just trying to think which one would be, you know, give the ref more stick. I don't know if either of them would. Would they? They both seem pretty plastic yeah, on the Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what... <laughs> I reckon Moon would get into it a little oh, bit. We've Obviously, we've seen the... it. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So Davies' record as coach of the interim coach of the Raw last season. Obviously, there were several mitigating factors in that. Eighteen matches, three wins, three draws, twelve losses. Don't really think you can hold that against him, all things considered. Yeah, a lot of people are. I don't think it's accurate though, because it's a completely different squad. You're right, and that was a situation where just get us to the end of the season when we're going to have a a full reboot. It was a squad coming to the end. It needed. Some fresh, some fresh blood, some new ideas, and it was really difficult situation to take over. So, I don't know that that's actually a true indication of what his coaching ability is. And look, the fact of the matter, like they retained him through the transition Absolutely. from Aloisi to Fowler, they clearly must rate him at least yeah. a little bit down at yeah. Logan, probably a lot. And look, all things considered, like he seems like a nice guy and someone that at least. Like when he does put players out on the pitch, they at least give their all for him, which is all you can really ask for from an interim from an interim coach. Yeah, look, I think as well as that, of those 18 games he coached, I think it was a squad that, we, as we saw, was sort of devoid of, you know, of, you know winning mentality and skill. As, as you said, it was just a matter of let's crawl to the finish. Um, it wasn't his team as such. You know, it, was, it was John Alawissi's team that, you know, and obviously had to get a few players in, you know, to, to sort of, you know, to fill in the gaps. But, yeah, look, as I said, the 3-3-12 three, the three, three, um, sort of record, I think it's inconsequential. He beat Sydney in that run at home, though, so that's a good start. Thanks to a fantastic yeah. strike from uh, Dylan, Dylan Wenzel-Halls. So that's actually one thing I'm going to be very interested to see going forward. Like, we'll talk about this a little bit more in the third segment, but I'm curious to see if there are any sort of major formational or tactical changes going forward. Like In terms of, we saw, I would say, part one of the Fowler blueprint, which was fix the back line. And now, you know, are they going to try and go for a little bit more of a different look? Maybe switch to four at the back instead of the three centre-backs. But anyway, that's segment three. Mm-hmm. Warren Moon's coaching record. Two premierships at Lions, uh, one MPL grand final win, and, uh, yeah, two appearances in the grand final. Is that correct? National grand final, yeah. National grand final, thank yes. you. And, yeah, most of the squad is back in training. One player that isn't, though, is Aidan O'Neill. His loan move from Burnley has expired. Now, I believe the main reason he's back is because his Burnley contract ended on June 30th. And he hasn't necessarily renewed that deal, and it made him a free agent. Or am I? I think they extended it for another twelve months, but I think it's extended, it and they're looking to um, get yeah. a transfer fee for him. I think the Raw made an offer, apparently, in one of the stories that came out, and they're preferring to deal with Melbourne City. So it sounds like that's where he'll be going. I assume that's for the next season. I don't think it'll be for the remainder of this season. But it's a, it's a big loss to the squad. Obviously, Aidan O'Neill's had a really good year for the Brisbane Roar in his only year here now. And the losses in midfield that they've had, obviously, Jacob Peppers moved on and now Aidan O'Neill. 
the numbers are looking a little bit thin in that area, particularly for holding midfielders. That was probably the two you looked at and thought, they're the two defensive-minded guys who sit a bit deeper. Now it's a lot of players who like to get four players like Ramadek Bari, Jay O'Shea, George Mel's capable of filling a job there, but they're more attack-minded. Definitely. All right. Uh, and one other final bit of news as well. Adam is becoming the new uh, <laughs> Northside correspondent for the Raw Centre of Excellence because that's being built, I'm pretty sure, in your backyard oh, at the yeah. South Pine Sporting Complex. Thank you for giving yeah. the Raw that, that land, Adam. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> I've, uh, my, my vote of the new mayor... Uh, has finally seen dividends. And, uh, yeah, look, a very exciting time, not only for Brisbane Raw, but I think also as well, Morton Bay United and um, Albany Creek Excelsior. I think I think collectively, I think it's going to be like $18 million. That's a very, very big um, big investment. I think, obviously, as well, and the most important thing is that it's a hat tip to the, you know, the fact is that you know, they're getting serious about investing with the uh, Women's World Cup coming in, in 2023. Absolutely. It's also good to have really good facilities now on both sides of the river for the mm. Raw to have access to. It's interesting, the, acad- the story came out, came out so the academy is moving over there. I wonder if that's the men's academy or if they're going to launch a much more in-depth women's academy and have that over there. Maybe they're going to have both, but it'd be interesting to see exactly which part of the academy is going to go over there. But it looks like it's going to be an amazing facility built, I think, in January by 2021. Yep, that's it. Sorry, just a bit of very late indigestion from lunch coming up there. <laughs> Adelaide lunch, bear with me. Uh, the point on that as well I had was um, it kind of feels like, it kind of feels like the conspiracy theorist in me is saying that this is the rule making sure that they've got as wide of a recruiting footprint as possible. I think it goes all the way up towards Gladstone now. There, White Academy. Bay, White Bay, thank yeah. you, and uh, all the way down to like northern New South Wales yeah. and whatnot. So it feels like they're trying to cast in it as wide as possible. Maybe in anticipation of a second Brisbane team coming in in the near future, but yeah. making sure that they can, they're well placed to pick up as much of the best local talent as possible. Because we said it all before, but you know that may be the best way forward for the A League and whatever the national second league is going to be, is going to be uh, getting the best young talent and bringing them through. Yeah, look, I, I think so, and I think I, I don't think it's any sort of you know, well-played secret. I think it's, it's actually fairly transparent that, you know, the Raw's footprint continues to um, expand, not only in Brisbane, Greater Brisbane, but as you said, you know, all the way up to Wide Bay and down to, I think it's uh, Port Macquarie, I think, even as far as I know, that somehow the Newcastle That's very Jets ambitious, are, that, isn't it? Newcastle Jets have sort of let that uh, Northern Rivers sort of district go by the wayside almost. So, yeah, but I but also think as well, I also have faith that while I have, there is still enough, there that you can have the a footprint where you can have a second team, but the Raw obviously you know, getting a head start on that, and so they should as a one-team town at the moment. Definitely. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam in person for the first time in about... Four months, so pleased to be back in the same, well, I wouldn't call it a studio, we're at my dining table at the moment, but either way, we do have one last bit of news that we couldn't quite fit into segment one, but I'm more than happy for it to lead off segment two. Australia and New Zealand are hosting the Women's World Cup, Scott. This is great, isn't it? it was, it's a boost that the game really needed in this country, given a lot of the bad news we've had. This is going to be an amazing tournament. We all remember the Asian Cup in 2015, how good that was. This is going to be next level, given it's going to be 32 Teams, the best 32 teams in women's football are going to be here for a month. Half here, half New Zealand. It's going to be amazing. It's, it's going to be, I, can, I really can't wait for it. It's going to be an amazing tournament. I am very much looking forward to it, and at least it was one bit of good news on what was an otherwise very, very uh, disappointing morning. Yeah, look, oh, oh gee, that morning. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, look, I think it, it's it, the Women's World Cup, I think, are uh, very underrated as far as the general sporting public are. I think it might have been a bit of, you know, sort of, you know, trying to figure out, oh, what's the big deal? But it is a big deal. Like I said, any time you can have, you can boast 1.5 billion viewers, um, you know, and that was from the uh, France World Cup uh, last year. Look, when you can post those sort of numbers, and those eyes, you know, will be on Australia and New Zealand in four years' time. That's that's big. That's big. Just not only for football, but I just think for, you know, the country in general and for our cousins in New Zealand that we always seem to forget. Speaking of that, I think you pair both of New Zealand a bit of an apology and a thank you here because I don't think Australia and New Zealand are hosting this World Cup without New Zealand's input because I don't think we beat Japan. 
Nope, right. As no, the Asian preferred bid, and I don't know, think we beat South America even if we did beat Japan without New Zealand. So I think their inclusion in this bid was actually the thing which That's, tipped this bid over the top. I think that was a tactical masterstroke was was to actually, because like I said, in the beginning, Australia, as you said, we're going to go alone, including New Zealand, who New Zealand as well, you know, even though they're not at the height of the Matildas at the moment, but the... Um, the, the uh, they're a World it. Cup regular? Yeah, I'm not just trying to think of the nickname. Uh, the... Silver Ferns? Oh, something, yeah. Or is that the anyway, New, New Zealand sure. women's national team. Um, yeah, like I said, they're, they're, they're a decent performance team, so they will go, they'll go right on their home soil as well, and you'd expect them to actually you know, exceed expectations. And we can only hope this goes better than the last time Australia and New Zealand tried to co-host a major World Cup, which was, of course, the 2003 Rugby World Cup, which saw New Zealand ditched over a ground signage dispute. What? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're right. I was trying to think back to I was going to say England won. I was like, I don't want that happening either. Yeah. It is, I, no, I wouldn't say that. So, you know, like I said, we had the uh, 2015 Cricket World Cup. And, uh, there you go. And like I said... I said did I say Football World Cup? No. You said last co-hosting between the two yeah. countries. And, oh, and, well, and well. Australia and New Zealand end up playing at the finals. So, bugger everyone oh. else. <laughs> it, that'd be great if that happened. It's also going to be great for Brisbane as well because we obviously yeah. know that it's the second biggest stadium in the bid that was announced by the joint... An organising committee, so it's so highly likely Suncorp Stadium or Brisbane Stadium, as we known, will be hosting a semi-final, which is amazing for us because if you think about the Matildas, if they're going to make a World Cup final, it comes through Brisbane. Oh yeah. Because unless that, unless they do what happened at to well, the it'll be, it, at the twenty. No, it'll be like two thousand and two in Korea and Japan, where the groups were set so that they would not have to swap over. So they will make sure that New Zealand play all their games. In New Zealand, Australia play all their games in Australia, but it, it's going to be great for Brisbane to have such high-quality games, and it's a bit of a slap in the face for football fans in other states like Victoria, West Australia, and South Australia, which are yeah, not putting up a big stadium. But it's AFL great for Brisbane. For that. Absolutely, they've they, yep. AFL House have basically ensured that South Australia they may not get in at all because Coopers isn't big enough, but South Australia, West Australia, and Victoria, which you would have thought Victoria would be a shoe in for the semi-final. They're going to miss out. They get quarter Which is, again, great for us up here in Brisbane. Uh, so, yeah, uh, to go back to New Zealand's World Cup pedigree, they have made the last four. Yep. So, good for them. Uh, and, yeah, well, the only question I would actually make about uh, making sure the draws do yeah. that, Eden Park's hosting a semi-final. Well, they'll host the other semi-final. So, they'll host this, the other brackets so the, semi-final. Yeah, but... If, so Australia's A1 and A2. I think New Zealand, New Zealand will be A1 because they're hosting the first game. Oh, okay. So oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Either way, you might. So A one and I don't think you'd be able to necessarily. You might. You might to. have group A, A, B, C, and D. Um, in it, they might have them in um, New Zealand. Well, that's what they did because if you yeah. think back to two thousand and two, didn't Brazil and Turkey play off in the group stage? No, it was so the someone way someone played off. Been, yeah. No, t- there was something like that where teams played off in the group stage and then played in the semi final because they didn't actually cross over because Japan finished second in their group and they didn't have to fly to Korea. For their round of sixteen game, they stayed in Japan. Unless they yeah. do make like a last minute audible on the semi-finals. Yeah, like they, the yeah. only way, like they'll I work it out. They'll work it out so that Australia only play here and New Zealand play over there. Oh, no, I think it's fair. I think. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. I just think you know I always root for chaos. So. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> but it, it's completely it is, justified yeah. that New Zealand, that Eden Park hosts the semi-final because they yeah. are fifty percent of the hosting of it, and that's. Yeah. I think that's actually the second biggest tournament in the actual whole whole World Cup, isn't it? It's bigger than Suncorp. Yeah, sixty thousand. Yeah. yeah, so well, it's bigger. Yeah, yeah. Well, the only reason I bring that up is just purely because if it's the same way as like the World Cup in Russia was a couple of years ago, and the um, World Cup in France, uh, I think it, like one side of the bracket was A one, B two, C one, D two, and it was the other side. So you could actually you wouldn't have teams facing off who'd met in the group stage until the final. Yeah. That's the only reason I bring that up. Secondly, the other reason why I don't want the Matildas playing a semi-final at Eden Park. Anything like the Wallabies going over there? They're going to get. We don't massacred. want to play. New, I don't care what round is. We're not playing Eden Park in any sport ever again. <laughs> Australia is not setting foot in that in that arena in any context until the Wallabies win over there. So that's going to be never. Hey, you never know. New Zealand might bring out their under eight. Actually, no, that probably won't make a difference. No, make a difference. that's just that's just <laughs> degrees in the L that you take. It, it, they, they they might cover. Mm, maybe. Anyway, it's great that Tom is going to be here, and we're all really looking forward to Absolutely, it. Yes, yeah. I, and then, like I said, no, just look at a further field from just you know, Australia and New Zealand. The fact that we get you know the US, the USA on our, our soil, you know, emerging powers like England, France, Netherlands, like and yeah, Japan. And, and and Japan always you know in the Asian, and even you know Brazil. You know, obviously by then the next generation would be 
probably no Marta, but... Uh, I was going to say, she'll probably still be going <laughs> well, look, at that yeah, She might well, be coaching them. It may, may be amazing if she was, but yeah, look, like I said, it goes beyond just the Matildas. Like, the quality of football, of women's football, especially, you know, with the women's football revolution the last couple of years. Like, come 2023, like I said, it is going to be, it's going to be bigger than the Asian Cup. Maybe not as big, obviously not as big as the FIFA World Cup. But it's going to be on par with the, the next biggest best event we've ever, we've ever hosted here in Australia. And that's including the Olympics. I, w- I will say, though, if anyone tries to tell me this is any sort of consolation for losing the 2022 uh, Men's World Cup bid, I am going to <laughs> no. rip their jaw off because it's, that is the stupidest thing ever. I would have wanted Australia to host both. That's all I'm... Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so odd for Australian football. It's always the women that lead the way. They were yep. the first to... to um, regularly qualify for the World Cup. Though the, the Matils were the first to win the Asian Cup and now we host the Women's World Cup, hopefully before we host the Men's World Cup in the future. But this is no consolation prize. This is a wonderful, a... wonderful prize that we've managed yep. to acquire. And we've just bashed the FFA for half an hour in the last segment about what they've done wrong. This is a massive, massive tick in their in their cap for what James Johnson was able to do to actually also, get and, that, and to actually convince well them to actually whole. get that done. It wasn't just James yeah. Johnson, like it was a big. Well, he's the, the figurehead off. Well, but, I was, yeah. I was actually going to, I was actually going to allude that point. I think the one person I think that probably hasn't gotten much credit you now, other than sort of you know, in the circles, Anne Odong's yep. involvement in this. You know, she, she is truly a pioneer for women's football. And look, without her, like without her being involved, leaving the world, the women's game, you know, apart from to actually to lead the bid team, if without her, I don't think this happens. So I think she deserves. All the plaudits and, and whatnot that you know they're coming over the next couple of years getting ready for this tournament because yeah you know, it's she's probably the unsung hero of the whole bid process. Definitely. Okay, so there was that. The uh, there is one of course downside that I well two points I want to actually get to quickly. Uh, possible up or downside and a downside. The first one is we really have to make sure that this bid does lead to more football infrastructure, not just in yep. Brisbane but in all of the host cities. Already seen that. Yeah, in, with um, the training training base at Ballymore. No, the training base oh, that we're talking about with South Pine. Yes. Oh, I just think, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, that as well. Like, so we need to make sure that you know these clubs in you know Brisbane, in Sydney. There was in... there was talk of a um, like a, a, a St George's Park style sort of set of excellence for the national team. Valentine in... Sports Park, isn't it? Uh, I thought it was Victoria, but um, I, I have heard numerous new iterations of that. But I know definitely that they, like a that one of the projects was to actually have you know a training camp base. Um, where the, the national teams, presumably the Matildas especially, can actually base themselves, which is purpose-built for them and them alone. Yes. Now, the one downside that I do want to get it, uh, into as well is it seems like there is going to be a massive player drain in the W League as well, as you know the mm. European clubs do start to increase their investment in women's football as well. Obviously, you're seeing you know, a trio of, of Aussies going to Arsenal and players going to other... Hayley Grasso resigning with Everton? Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of them now, isn't it? It's a real, real glut of players who've moved to Europe. And it's talking about the World Cup, it's going to be brilliant for them to test themselves against the best players in the world for the next three years because Australia as a country is now going to expect them to be minimum in the final, which I think is a big ask anyway. But that'll be the general perception. If you've got to get to the final, and their only chance they have of doing that is to play at the highest level and test themselves against the best. And that's what they're setting themselves up for the best possible opportunity at it. And that's really, that's all you can do. Definitely. And on, on that as well is I do feel like that's probably one thing that maybe has been a little bit underestimated about the Matildas is how they go against those sort of unfamiliar European opponents where players that we're not too familiar with because we don't really see them in the W League or in the NWSL in America. When you look at the World Cup first game against Italy, a, te- a team we were meant to beat quite comfortably, we're not familiar with them. What happened? I was going to, uh, two, two points because there was one point I was going to make, but you you've actually been another, the dog out. another point. Is that oh, I've got the comm. Um, is is the is the fact is, is that um, like the, the Matildas have the same sort of you know barren record against the European teams as the Socceroos team have against the West Asian teams. Yes. So I think having them having that experience, you know, to play in Europe for a number of years, I think it's a good thing. But more importantly to that. Um, like you go back to the golden generation, the that 2006 World Cup team in Germany. How many domestic-based players was were in the in the golden generation? Two, exactly. So how many minutes if, did if they play? Means, yeah, zero point zero. Yeah. So if, if having so having the majority of the Matilda squad based overseas, if it means that giving us the best chance possible of winning the 2023 World Cup at the expense of the W League, well then, you know what, that's a small sacrifice that we can make. I know there's going to be people that are going to disagree with that, but you know what, the bigger picture is, 
we need we need the Matildas to go as far as they can in this yeah. home tournament. It's a sacrifice we'd all make if we if we'd said today the Matildas would be in the World Cup final, we'd all happily sacrifice a few years of W League's quality. The one last point on this is the facilities upgrades. I hope it goes to cl- for the venues and clubs that actually have women's teams. Yep, yep. It's got if if you have to actually be, uh, I think it should be. I think teams like the Lions has been um, upgraded. You think about the South Pine is going to be a venue here in Brisbane. Those are the sort of places it should be. The, the venues or the clubs that have women's teams in their in their stable should be the ones to benefit from so the facility even, upgrades. Even someone like the Gap. Yes, you know, that's another like really said, good you example. Know, Walton Bridge, you know, I don't know, go to put put some, you know, heaters. No, yeah, heaters or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's only got to be a training field with a couple of change rooms. That's all it's got to be, really. Yeah. But it should be the clubs that have women's teams get the best benefits of these so upgrades. So no Perry Park at the moment. I didn't mention any names. You just did. <laughs> uh, well, that was probably the in in my mind. That's probably the biggest local club that does not have a women's team. Well, hopefully, maybe this World Cup bid will inspire the strikers to field a team in NPL. Oh, and they're not the only club as well. Yes, uh, I know. We're not singling strikers. Yeah, no, that was just the first name. There's a number of clubs. Yeah, I'd like to comment down on a future episode because there's yeah. Yes. Well, we'll save that for the NPL. Um, we might take a quick break as well, just so we can reset and then get back to our A-League discussion because, well, I think we're a little bit too happy for the last 13 or so minutes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll take a break. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, it's the third final segment of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here, and hello if you're listening to us on Football Nation Radio as well. You can always send in comments, questions to brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football, and leave us a podcast rating as well, because we always like hearing how much people love us. If you don't like us, still leave a positive review. Okay, so um, final segment, we're going to go over basically where were we with the A-League and what are we expecting going forward because, well, we got a little bit distracted with the uh, recap of the news stories we've missed since our last episode proper, which I think was technically in March, there or thereabouts, Scott? It was March, yeah, Yeah. late March. Yeah, since then we've had quite a few best ofs. We did a fan survey and an emergency pod to Robbie Fowler leaving, but in the meantime, let's get back to the football, which kicks off this Friday night, Sydney FC... Top of the table, hosting third place Wellington Phoenix at Jubilee Stadium. Now, uh, Sydney Premier's elect. They're eight points clear with three games in hand on Melbourne City. Yeah, it's just a matter of time until they actually officially claim it. It might actually be this game, actually, for all I know. I haven't actually looked at the mathematics of how it all works out, but if it's not this game, it'll be pretty soon after. I believe they can't clinch it on their own. They need to win and have... I think they either need to get four or six points or well, something. Well, they have two games before Melbourne City even play, given the 14 days of quarantine. It's probably so to look at in terms of the schedule anyway. Yes. So if you are listening to us, you know, Tuesday when the A-League schedule does come out, just pretend we know what we're talking about. To be fair, we're not really interested in Sydney FC actually winning the thing, are we? We don't really... It's no. not what we're actually... We're more interested in somebody else from second to tenth actually coming through and winning the grand final. That would be much more interesting than a Sydney FC double. Well, okay. In my... in my defence there, I wouldn't mind seeing Sydney FC clinch it as soon as possible, because at least then, if worst-case scenario happens, not just with the A-League, but, you know, say with New South Wales, because with, obviously with the yeah. coronavirus, there's a whole lot of stuff that's still up in the air, and things mm. can change in an instant. Just ask people in Victoria. I, well, that wasn't even... A, that wasn't no, even you're trying right. To be an things idiot change here. so quickly at the moment. You're absolutely right. At least you can then say, okay, well, at least we've got a clear, you know, clear, defined champion. Let's not Oh, if it shuts down again, that's what you'd have that's to do. That's what I'm trying to get at, yeah. Thank you, Scott. You can translate the rest of the show for me. I speak me. gibberish after four years. <laughs> All right, so as for the Raw, they're up to fourth place, 35 points with two games extra as uh, behind third place Wellington Phoenix, who they trail by one point, and they're four points ahead of fifth place Perth Glory, which, before the hiatus, they were actually one of the informed teams of the league winning their last three games, and... They're probably one of the few sides that actually would have been really disappointed to see things uh, stop just because it killed their momentum. Yeah, they were probably the them and probably Sydney FC were the two sides in the best form for and Wellington. The tw- Wellington, oh, Wellington they're, the, they're yeah. the three best sides of the 2020 calendar year so far in terms of form. So, yeah, they were certainly disadvantaged by the season stopping of not only because of the momentum loss, but the coach Robbie Fowler is not coming back as well. So they're in a in a difficult spot here because they're in a position where they 
almost certainly going to play finals. I'd have to lose all four and have a whole lot of crazy mathematic go against them to miss out on the I think the I saw six. it was 97% yeah, locked into finals. It, sh- it should be locked in pretty soon. Yeah. But the thing is, new coaches in, can they get the same tune out of the place? We hope so. Look, they're two, we talked about in segment one, they're two really good coaches, but it's not ideal with four games to go plus finals to have a coaching change. And they're not the only club, by the way. Um, Adelaide have got a coaching change as well. And so have Melbourne. And I think Melbourne Victory, Victory yeah. Yeah, but not, not that there are any... <laughs> they're mathematically hope. alive, Melbourne Victory. <laughs> and if they do get yeah. in, I'm not ruling out the winning the grand final if they well, scrape into six with that squad. But that's anyway. a scary thing. But look, I actually think, just looking at the ladder, I actually think that a win by Brisbane Roar over Adelaide um, when it's scheduled Sunday, um, that, that I think will be enough, I think, to, to clinch finals football. Just, just looking at the ladder and whatnot, 38 points, it should be enough yeah. to, to at least clinch finals football. It may, they may fall in over the line, but um, but yeah, I, I think that might be the first the first monkey off the back for the Roar. If they can get that... that the, the the points remaining to at least lock finals football. I think that will at least give the players a bit of a sigh of relief to going into. I don't think they want to with everything going against them at the moment with losing coach, losing a couple of players. That I think the the big goal would be let's at least clinch finals football first. Yes, and on that as well. So looking forward for the Roars now, I feel like there are two things that they need to really think about. First of all, is just getting the points that they need to lock in finals football, which could be three points against Adelaide. Mm. The other thing as well is making sure that they're best positioned to make a run at the grand final. Now, they are, let me just do some quick maths, five points behind Melbourne City with a game in hand. Now, obviously, they would also have to overtake Wellington Phoenix, Phoenix, which could be a really tough ask for them as well, considering the Knicks do have games in hand. But I kind of feel like if the Raw can't get to second spot, then they just need to make sure they're best prepared for the, a run at the finals. It doesn't matter if they finish third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. Yeah. Those finals are going to be played in Sydney no matter what. There is no home field advantage for them to deal with. Oh, there's home field advantage if you're if you top of the table. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but we're a week off. Yeah, but compared but to... Right, they actually do play Sydney FC and Wellington in their final four games, James. So those two games are going to give a real indication of exactly where they're at. Can they challenge for a grand final berth? Are they... A finals team, where do they rank in terms of that pecking order? Those two games that can give you a real good indication of exactly where they're up to. And I think one's technically a home game being played in Sydney, the other's an away game. Yeah, well, they'll play at ANZ Stadium with, you know, a few dozen fans there. Which... Hopefully they keep all the Sydney FC fans out, by the way. That's a Brisbane home game. <laughs> they can have an away bay and that's it. And we'll finally get to see uh, the Raw's Maroon jersey in that game, presumably. Oh, that would wind people up. The last <laughs> there you go. There you go, David and Shane. Raw, make it happen. If they're listening to this down at Logan, make that happen, please. <laughs> Definitely. All right. So, yeah. So, on that as well, I feel like the priority for the Raw is if they can't get that first round by in the finals, which, look, to be fair, it's a big ask. Obviously, everyone will be trying for that. Maybe they're better off just spending those last two games just getting everything fine-tuned and the results might not matter too much unless they're trying to pick their first-round opponent. Mind you as well, like just looking at the remaining schedule, um, like I said, uh, they play Adelaide at Seabus, uh, at then it's Melbourne Victory at Bankwest on July 28th, but then Wellington, Wellington Phoenix, August 5th, and then Sydney FC on um, August 10th. So that's potentially... Uh, there's the two top four teams there. So as Scott said before, um, it would be a good guy to where they're at um, beyond, like I said, they, that's they want to clinch finals first and then play against the, probably two of the better teams in, in the league as a run home. They might play both those teams twice in two weeks. But mm. to your point, uh, James, so... Yeah. As the, yeah, that's yeah. my dog. But to your point, James, I mean, the, uh, the idea Just ignore of, her, it's fine. The idea of trying to pick your She's own excited. opponent, James, is one I'm just completely always against. I keep thinking back to the Boomers in the World Cup a few years ago where they actually manipulated it to avoid Team USA, and then they lost to Turkey in the quarterfinal anyway. <laughs> yes. So I'm always against the idea of yeah. manipulating a result to get a particular outcome because it may not go the way you want. And if it doesn't go the way you want, you look foolish. And so just play whatever happens. You've got to go. You've got to beat everyone anyway. Look, to win, if they're going to win the grand final, they're going to have to go through Sydney one way or the other. Yep. I know. So just don't worry about when you play them. Just beat them when you have to. Funny, my memory of a team picking their own opponent was in the 2005 NFL season where Bill Belichick asked his backup quarterback to throw the ball into the second row of the stands so they could have an easier game against Jacksonville in the first round. How did that go? 
Oh, they belted Jacksonville and but then did they lost. get to the Super Bowl? No, they lost to Denver. See what happens when you try and manipulate your opponents? Yeah, oh, oh, that, that team was not good enough sport, to make the... The sporting gods do not look kindly on trying to manipulate the draw. No, just and to be fair, that team was nowhere near good enough to make the Super Bowl. Also, anyway. I think this Brisbane Raw side is the sort of side who would just take on whatever's in front of them anyway. I don't think they'd really care yeah. who it is. No, you're absolutely right. And I do feel like that that's, that's probably more important anyway, where you know they may not punt on the games because you know they want to get their finals point right because I feel like this side is still very much a confidence-based team and if they can go into the finals getting say eight points from their final four matches pair of wins and a pair of draws then I think we're going to wind up with (laughs) this is Trixie's best contribution to the whole uh, show I think yeah she's disagreeing with everything we've said so far in this segment four that's for sure yeah definitely (laughs) anyway so and that was my wife in the background it's all falling apart at the end of the show, isn't it? <laughs> this is really our off-season, so we're getting back into gear here. Yeah, this is, keep in mind, we're normally recording this at an NPL ground before yeah. a game anyway. So, yeah, I feel like if they can get eight points from the next four games, you know, maybe, you know, possibly even beat a resting Sydney side. But I think also as well, the one thing we need to also take into account that, you know, for all for all the issues that uh, Brisbane Raw have had with um, Rory Fowler and Tony Grant not coming back and Aidan O'Neill also as well, is that they're not alone in their sort of the struggles. Each, each individual club will have their own little thing going because we're in the bubble up here in Brisbane. We don't know the struggles of you know, some of the other clubs as well, especially, especially the Victorian clubs. Having, having to spend 14 days in quarantine... Um, still like training, the, at least. Yeah, it's still training, but obviously as well, just, everything else that's going on as well. It this is this might be you know a absolute lottery as far as you know form. It may be a case of you know the the standard of the games may not be up to what we expect, for, especially for the first couple of weeks until they get so. Look, make hay while the sun shines. I think the Raw may be with going form momentum. They can just you know, find that edge, find something. You know, it could work against, even yeah. against you know a likes of you know a Sydney or a Wellington, who are you know who are probably the other two form sides. It'll be the mentally strongest team that wins this grand final. Yep. And there will be an asterisk next to whoever wins, but that doesn't mean it's an easy thing or something to be downplayed. It'll be an asterisk. So this is a unique situation, and it's. And a really difficult one, and you're right, every team's going to go through their own unique struggles to get to wherever they end up. The asterisk will be there, but it doesn't mean it's to be dismissed. It's I, I don't think the asterisk will be... One of the toughest champions anyone will ever win. Well, and also on that same regard as well, I feel like the asterisk is probably going to be better served saying that, by the way, there was a three, four-month break in the competition, yeah. not a, well, this means less than any other trophy, because I can guarantee that toilet seat is going to look exactly the same as the previous other 14 they've handed out. It's, it's going to be a scramble for the next, you know, six, eight weeks. And as I said, it may, like, it, if we could throw out the form book almost. You know, you could what even, you could, book? yeah, exactly. You, exactly. You could even see, you know, someone like a Central Coast really messing up the plans of a few of the finals contenders just based on simple factors that, you know what, they may be up to this more than you know, other clubs. So, like I said, the form, there's no form. It's going to be a lottery and it's going to be a scramble. And look, you know, for all the sort of, you know, oh, it's been four months and whatnot, there, there is, could be a amount of excitement about this. And also, anyone who has, of course, watched some of the European leagues or uh, the Asian leagues since they've come back as well, you would know that the standard of football is not as high as we're used to seeing in those leagues. So, mm. look, it could just come down to which side just catches fire at the right time yep. and wins the sprint to the finish line. Well, not all teams in Europe are playing poorly after the four-month layoff, James. Pretty sure there were some uh, dodgy results for United there as well. Was no, oh, Didn't they get taken to uh, extra time by Norwich in the FA Cup? I don't think the oh, people need to be hearing about these things. I don't know. I think that's well worth mentioning. <laughs> hey, I've anyway. seen my share of dodgy no, results it, it, it's as well. It's an interesting point. I mean, like it starts the what we've seen in other leagues around the world is that the play does start off slower as they build up, but when they get three, four games under their belt, the players you start to see them hitting the levels they were at pre-lockdown. So I don't. So I think it'll take a while to get going. By final time, when everyone's played three or four games, it should be the six teams remaining are playing at a very high level. And yeah. we should also talk about the changes in the rules, James, of having nine subs on the bench and five players allowed to come on. That'll help freshen the teams up as well as the last in the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, particularly early on in the resumption when players will be struggling mm. for match sharpness. So I think those, those rules have helped around the world and they'll certainly help here as well. Good luck to uh, the Raw's NPL team as well. Yes. That's all I'm going to say on that. Well, are the youth team in the bubble? Well, presumably they'd have to take down a slightly extended squad as well. Good point. Mm. It won't just be the 22, 21, or whatever first-team contracted players they had. I'm not sure who who they'll take. I'll be stunned if they've taken a very thin squad down. I feel like they probably would have at least 25. 
Yeah, it'll be all the senior, or the um, the youth players on the um, who train with the team every day. They go down. Yeah. So you've got that Macklin Frake will go and yeah. Kai Truen and these types of players will go down. I'll be interested to see yeah. what the num- actual number is, and then not just the raw, but across across the league, what the actual squad numbers are. Because yeah. uh, especially someone like Wellington, if you know someone goes down, um, they're going to struggle to get a, or even you know, Victoria, they're going to struggle to get a replacement up there very 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 soon. Or they're going to be waiting fourteen days anyway. Definitely. All right. So raw Sunday night against Adelaide at this stage. Adam, what are we going to be talking about in a week? Uh, no foul no worries. Scott? I mean, Brisbane v Adelaide does tend to throw up some crazy situations you think back down the years. It's something, a lot of it tends to happen on the sidelines all between the two coaches, so who knows what's going to happen there, but I agree with Adam. I think they'll all win the game. If it is going to be their last home game in Brisbane, in Queensland for the season, they'll win this game. Yep, I'm going to go for that as well. Raw, raw win uh, match with three red cards. It's in fitting with what happens between Brisbane and Adelaide. Put it that way. And that's why I've picked uh, that outcome. And that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Good to see you again, James, Adam. Hopefully in full season form for next week. And if you've stuck with us for the last hour, thank you very much. We hope we weren't too rusty for you (laughs) as we uh, got back into it. And probably should also say thank you, Trixie, for her very vocal contributions during the uh, final segment. And she's now seen food, so she's off in the kitchen. Um, yes, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with, I believe, two episodes, we said. Yes. Yeah, M- MPL preview. That's yeah. right, NPL is back weekend of July 25. Uh, Saturday, July 25 is the first week, first day of, of all, NPL. all senior competitions. Yes. Yeah. Uh, NPL, men's, women's, and... The juniors start at the weekend is gone, but that's... We don't cover the juniors. Whole, whole we, separate story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a three-man operation. This is about as best as we can yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. All right, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with a pair of shows. Until then, enjoy the football. <laughs>